annual in the Old Testament this morning. And I'm going to be reading from uh, Daniel chapter 3. And I'm going to be starting about in the middle of uh, that chapter. So at the beginning of the chapter, King Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon, the, the largest empire, the greatest empire in the world at that point in time, has decided that um, people don't treat him well enough. So he wants to be treated as a god. So he makes this huge statue, 10 feet wide at its base and 90 feet high, and places it out in the center of the square and says, everybody, as soon as they hear the music, I'm not sure what the music was, what song they played, but um, when they heard the music, everybody needed to bow down and recognize the statue as a god. There were uh, three Jewish guys who had been brought to Babylon from Jerusalem, put into exile, and because King Nebuchadnezzar was no dummy, he took the best and the brightest of the Jews out of Jerusalem when he conquered them and brought them to Babylon and put them in positions of influence uh, within his castle, within his staff. And three of these guys were uh, named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of you have heard those names before. Um, if you grew up in church or you went to Sunday school, you probably know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, we used to say Shadrach, Meshach, and to bed we go. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a great story, a powerful story. So they decide they're not going to bow down to the king. So the king gets upset. He finds out about this finds out that some people on his inner circle, his own staff, are not doing what he asked them to do, gets a little upset. So he brings them in and says, uh, you know, what's going on with you guys? Uh, if you don't get with the program and start bowing down to my statue, I'm going to uh, burn you in the furnace. So he was serious. And here's their response, starting at verse <clears throat> 16 of Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, and that's important, even if he doesn't, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. In other words, he got really, really angry. So he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Seven uh, is a biblical, good biblical number that means uh, the perfect number, or the best number, or the fullest number. So in other words, this is insanely hot. It's as hot as that furnace could ever get because he was going to burn them to a crisp. And he commanded some of the strongest officers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and these, were three men, and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. 
Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, O king. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. So Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps and the prefects, the governors, royal advisors crowded around them, and they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed, their robes were not scorched, there was no smell of fire on them. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be cut into pieces, their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Obviously, Nebuchadnezzar was not in the freedom of worship. Um, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. God's word to us this morning. Pray with me for a moment. Lord, uh, we thank you for your word. That is a gift to us so we can learn more about you, seek to better understand you. And Lord, I, I thank you for this story this morning and the faith of these three men. And I pray now that you would help us to, uh, to learn from their experience, that you would grant us the ability to, to hear you speak to us, that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and that you would personalize these words into our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How many of you remember <clears throat> several weeks ago the soccer team that was lost or um, in the cave in Thailand? Yeah, I think almost everybody was aware of that story. It seemed like the whole world was watching and wondering whether or not this soccer team and its coach were going to get out of that cave alive. When they made the decision, the coach and the boys together made that decision to go into the cave, it was turned out to be a, a life-changing decision, even though at the time they had no idea the difference that this decision would make in their lives. It was a pretty innocent thing. It was going to be a team-building experience, an opportunity for them to, to really bond as a group of boys and get together as a team. And then everything changed. And the whole world was watching whether or not any of them would be able to come out alive. And the ordeal lasted for, I think, a couple of weeks, if I remember correctly, at least that. And it was just amazing Experts were called in from around the world to try to figure out how do they get through these tough spots in the cave, through the water, to get to these kids and their coach, and how in the world are they ever going to bring them out? But of course, the good news is that they all made it, and their lives are now um, fuller and richer and uh, 
They have a, a story to tell their kids and grandkids, for sure, as they get older, what they went through. All of us make decisions in our lives. In fact, when you think about it, our lives are really made up of the accumulated decisions that we make from day to day. Some seem to be very uh, innocent, very insignificant. Others seem to be incredibly important and very significant. These kids and their coach had a choice. They made the choice, went into the cave, thought it was an innocent thing, turned out much differently. They had no idea what they were getting into. If they had, I'm sure they would have made the decision not to go into the cave. The three guys that we're talking about, these three Jewish guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, knew exactly what they were getting into when they came to the point of decision. Three guys who are extremely gifted, well-educated, very influential, holding positions of prominence in the greatest empire in the world at that time, making a decision not to listen to the king. It was uh, a life-changing kind of decision for them. Usually when we face <clears throat> times of decision, we, uh, most of the time we have a choice. Sometimes we don't, but most of the time we do. And so these guys had a choice. They were headed for pain and death. And one word would change everything. All they had to do was say, yes, we'll bow down to you. And I'm sure if I was in that position, I would be kind of rationalizing and saying, well, you know, God knows this situation. God knows how difficult this would be for me. And maybe he would, he would I think he would understand if I bowed this one time. Because if I don't do it, I lose my position of influence to influence other people, to help them know about God. And so what went on through their minds and through their hearts, we really don't know. But the one thing we know for sure is that they were confident that God would rescue them. And even if he didn't, they were not going to compromise their faith. They were not going to compromise what they stood for and who they were. They would not bend the knee to Nebuchadnezzar and his statue. So Nebuchadnezzar had been angry up until this time, but kind of using the velvet glove, called them in, tried to talk them into it. But now he loses control, and he orders the furnace to get cranked up uh, to be as hot as it possibly can. So think about this for a moment. If you've ever had a burn, um, not all that long ago, I burned one of my fingers on my grill. And I just could not believe how much pain comes from the end of your finger when it gets burned. And I was going for the ice cubes and all of this stuff. And I'm thinking, all right, if that kind of pain is on every part of your body, before your body begins to shut down, that has to be one of the most excruciating and painful ways to die. And that's what these guys were facing. Unbelievable amounts of pain. One of the images that is forever seared into my mind from 
is watching the images of some of the people choosing to jump out of the tower instead of being burned to death because they were so fearful they knew what it was going to be like and they made the decision to die a different way it's a horrible way to die so here's what they were facing and they said go ahead throw us in it'll be all right so they crank up the heat gets the soldiers tie them all up and throw them into the furnace real people who were filled with a great deal of courage a lot of faith and probably some fear as well they're thrown into the furnace think about what that must have been like they're waiting for this searing pain for their lungs to be burned for all of their hair to be singed for their cloaks to begin to catch on fire almost immediately they expect to suffocate from the smoke but what they expected doesn't happen and they begin to realize that they're not even warm and there's no smell of singed eyebrows and singed hair and no burns and the smoke isn't impacting them and they're not even tied up anymore can you imagine the kind of unbelievable exhilaration that they must have felt and experienced at that moment in time something totally unexpected and what they thought was going to happen didn't happen so Nebuchadnezzar is stunned so in verse 24 King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and said to his advisors weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire and they replied certainly O King." And he said, well, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. This was not just a miracle, but it was a divine encounter. Now there's a fourth member of the furnace club. And there are four guys walking around in the furnace. The fourth one comes, delivers the other three and it's like he convenes a little small group meeting right there in the furnace. One of the most intense small group meetings you would ever attend, I'm sure. And I wonder what they said to each other. I wonder if the fourth man told them how proud God the Father was of them for taking a stand for their faith, for the courage that they showed. I wonder if he told them that they would be remembered for thousands of years because of what they had accomplished and a result of their faithfulness. I'm sure they poured out their adoration and praise to the fourth man who was there with them. What looked like the end of their lives turned out to be the greatest thing that they could have ever experienced in their life. The furnace turns out to be the place where they truly meet God at a whole new level and I think this is the key point of the story as I think about it and reflect on it that in our lives we have furnaces they look different and they may not be as hot as this one but there are those situations in life there are those experiences in life where the heat gets turned up and we're feeling the heat 
And for most of us, we hope to get delivered from the furnace. But God doesn't deliver them from the furnace. God delivers them in the furnace. The place where full commitment can lead us sometimes looks scary and dangerous. But it turns out to be the place where Jesus is, and it turns out to be the safest place of all. Jesus promises, God promises out of this story that he will meet us in the furnace. That we never go into that kind of situation alone if we're followers of Jesus. That he will be there with us and empower us and work in our lives to get us through. And as a result of that, Nebuchadnezzar makes a, a brand new proclamation and promotes the three men. But interestingly enough, it is the last time that we hear of these three guys. Never hear of them again, never mentioned again. It's this one instance, this one story, this one situation. But I wonder you know, what they thought about later. I wonder if they thought about how easily they could have missed this moment that God had in store for them. If they had given in to fear and said, no, nah, I think we'll be able to bow down once or twice, they would have missed the greatest adventure of their life, the greatest adventure of faith, their greatest encounter with God. I'm sure they never forgot that moment. I wonder if they got together, maybe on the, on the anniversary of the day that this happened, hauled out their old robes, put their old robes on again, and got together and went through the story one more time. The robes that their wives would want to get rid of because they were getting old, had holes in them. Why don't you put those things away? No, 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 we got to put these on. It would be a cool story, wouldn't it? What a gathering to come back and remember what God had done in their lives. Once you experience God in the furnace and trust him enough to bring you through, you never forget it. And if you think about your own life experience, most of us would say that it was in one of the toughest times in our life or a difficult time in our life where we experienced God at a whole new way because we had no choice but to become more dependent on him and more dependent on our faith to get us through. So my question for you this morning is, what is your furnace? When you think about it, you look at scripture, Jesus calls us to, uh, as followers of, of him, calls us to a dangerous life. And what if, as a group, what if Christians, not just across our country, but around the world, and many Christians around the world, by the way, are in this furnace situation every day. Their lives are on the line every day for simply naming the name of Jesus. We have no idea what that's like in our country, praise God. But consider praying a dangerous prayer to say, Lord, Give me an opportunity to show my commitment to you this week with my life. Instead of turning down the heat, Lord, it's okay if you turn up the heat. 
Most of us pray for less heat in our lives. We're not looking for more heat. But what if we prayed for God to use a situation, an opportunity, a circumstance that maybe created some discomfort in us or uh, cranked up the heat a little bit to say, okay, Lord, it's all right. We're trusting you in the middle of that. We know we're going to meet you there. You will meet us there. So ask God to call you to a deeper level of commitment. Ask for the presence of the fourth man in the, in the furnace. Maybe for some of you, that's a work situation or a work setting. Over the years in ministry, I've talked to a lot of people who have been in difficult work settings. Many of them would come in and talk with me and say, if I could only be in an office or a work setting where there were more Christians, it would be so much easier. It would be so much more fun to go to work if there were other Christians who would act like Christians and would be Jesus followers like me. And we would talk through that and at some point in the conversation, I would try to get around to the idea of saying, maybe God has sent you there to be the presence of Christ in that situation. Maybe that's your mission field. Instead of saying, God, make it easier for me, surround me with other people who think like me and act like me, maybe you are the one that God is going to use to make a difference in the life of another person at work or even in the atmosphere or the culture within your setting. So maybe for you, it's, it's work. Ask God to meet you there, to encourage you, to, uh, to bring you to mature judgment and discernment. Or maybe it's an opportunity that God is placing before you in terms of really following him as a servant, willing to be involved in some place in your community, or maybe a place of service within Renew Community, where somebody has to step up and take responsibility for this, or say, hey, I'll, I'll initiate that, I'll get that going, I'll find people who will help me, we'll make this work as an outreach to the community. Maybe it would be uncomfortable. Maybe it would turn up the heat in your faith and in your life. But what if God was calling you to that? And if he was to be assured, to be certain that if you took that on, if you took that step, if you allowed him to increase the heat in your life, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt he would meet you there and would walk you through it. Maybe your furnace involves a relationship. A relationship that you know maybe you should get out of. Or a relationship that needs to be established. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's giving or making a sacrifice of one sort or another. When I think about who we are as a country and I think about my own life, the tendency is to... Uh, to look at the statue in our world, the statue of the gods in our world would be comfort and ease and security, success. But when you read through the Bible, you don't find any Bible heroes who had it easy. And yet, my tendency from a human perspective is to pray, God, make it easy. I really would like to be comfortable. I'd like to be secure. 
I'd like to maintain my health. I'd like to maintain our family and keep our family going strong. And yes, those are all good things. But in the end, it's not always that way. Life is not always that way. So when it comes, remember the story and remember that if God puts you in a position where he cranks up the heat or you choose to be in that position, know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will meet you there. You will not be there alone. Whether it's expanding, renew, and growing and reaching new people for Jesus through Renew Community, whether it's being a follower of Jesus in a different kind of way, a more powerful kind of way at work or in other parts of your life, know that God is going to meet you there and walk you through. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this special opportunity to be uh, with these great people that you have called into Renew Community. Lord, I thank you for their desire to follow you. I thank you for their willingness to be part of something that's fairly new and exciting and in some ways demanding and in some ways frustrating because that's how the church is. So Lord, in the midst of all of that, in the midst of the excitement and anticipation and vision and frustration, meet them and draw them close to you. Empower them. Give them energy, strength, and joy in this opportunity that they have to impact the community of Ames, to see people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, our prayer is that you would do that over and over and over again through all of us who name the name of Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And it is in his name we pray. Amen.